Well, uh, I'm going to start with an illustration for the kids, mainly. And I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to ask you a question about it. Sounds good? So by kids, I mean 12 and under. Um, so are you guys ready? I'm going to say something. I'm going to ask you a question about it afterwards. If I said that I have a dollar up here, and I want to give it to you, all you have to do is just come up here and get it. Okay? I'll say it one more time. I've got a dollar up here, and all you have to do is just come up here and get it. So what do I have? Any of the kids under 12? Okay, we got one listening. A dollar. Um, or maybe I should say just one brave enough. And then... And then what do you have to do to get it? Mm-hmm. So uh, I want you to think now with me. I said something. Does it, did anyone not understand it? Do you want me to repeat it? Any kids? All I have a dollar, and all you need to do to get it is just to come up here. Okay. <laughs> So here's the, here's the deal. Now I want you to think, I said something, you all understand it, but I want you to think about the reality behind the words. What's the reality behind the words? I have a dollar, and all you have to do to get it is just come up here and get it. What's the reality behind the words? What was that? Say that again. That's the reality behind the words. Now, what would you do if you believed that? Okay. There's only one, so... Yep, that's it. All right. Well, here's the hard part. You ready? We're going to have to make a hard corner here from that to the Word of God. Um, And I don't want that to detract, you know. So... You're going to go get a candy bar or whatever. Good. That's great. But let's turn the corner, and that was all for a purpose, to this, that we say things, and I believe all the kids, you know, under 12, that can understand English, um, understood what I said, and then there was a reality behind the words. Um, There was something real there that when we talk about God, that is how it is. That there is a reality that's not just words. You can understand the words in your mind. You can know exactly what I said. You could answer questions about what I said. You could pass a quiz on it. You could repeat it back to me word for word. 
and not press into the reality behind the words. There's a reality. There's something real. There really was a dollar up here, and I really was willing to give it to you, and yet it just rings in your mind as words, and there's no, there's no sense of the thing behind the words. The words, if words mean anything, they're meant to communicate something real and true and, and in existence, you know. And so, think about this. I'm going to do the same thing again, and I'm going to say something, and I want you all to press in and think the reality behind the words. Jesus really died. For your sins. And you can hear the words and understand the words and answer questions about the words. And yet the reality of the words does not hit you. The reality behind the words. And the message, I think I've given, actually I know I've given this same message a couple times, exact same outline. I'll tell you the outline. Uh, What does the passage say? That's the first question. Do I believe it? That's the second question. And how do I apply it? And all it is is just reading what the Bible says and hearing it and letting it sink in the reality of it and and asking yourself, do, it has the reality behind the word sunk in. And then if it has, how do I apply it? And so... Think about, I just want to read about Jesus and how we're here, we're singing these songs, how Jesus died for us. We're we're talking about who he is and we can have forgiveness and, and we're leaning on him. Our faith has found a resting place and lean into the reality. So I'm just going to read from Mark and let these words sink in the reality behind the words words like spit and scourge and condemn and death and cross and blood and pierce and last breath, and body, and corpse, and grave. They're just, they're words. But there's a reality behind the words. And that's where we're wanting to press in. So let's just read here. Read about Jesus. And we're, I'm going to, just read and ask you know the spirit that he would make it real to us so let's start in mark 
Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, I will, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth, and he ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is, what is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it, and after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, 
Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one, one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed and among the rebels in prison, one who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them, and he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him up to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him... They crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Well, there's really not too much to say after that, other than just to repeat what I already said. What does it say? What does it say? Jesus... God in the flesh, the I am, who's going to come on the clouds of heaven, be seated at the right hand. He really, a real body, real blood, real feet, real hands, really died on a cross for us, scourged by his stripes we are healed. They condemned him as deserving death. His condemnation brought us peace. The cross, a real cross, making peace by the blood of his cross, really pierced, pierced for our transgressions, real blood, the blood that cleanses us from all sin, real anguish, out of, anguish, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. Real death. We were the ones alienated and hostile in mind. But by his death, he has now reconciled us in his, in his body of, of flesh. He had a real grave. And do I believe it? Is it is it just words? Can I can answer questions, but is it real to me? Is it a reality in my life? Is it real? I've read this before but it's worth reading again it's an account of uh, Richard Wormbrand and he tells a Russian officer about Jesus for the first time this is in Romania in the 1940s and this is what happened I'll just read a direct quote when I was still living behind the Iron Curtain I had met a Russian captain. 
I read to him the Sermon on the Mount and the parables of Jesus. After hearing them, he danced around the room in rapturous joy, proclaiming, What a wonderful beauty! How could I live without knowing Christ? It was the first time that I saw someone jubilating in Christ. Then I made a mistake. I read to him the Passion and the Crucifixion without having prepared him for this. He had not expected it. When he heard how Christ was beaten, how he was crucified, and how at the end he died, he fell in an armchair and began to weep bitterly. He had believed in a Savior, and now his Savior was dead. I looked at him and was ashamed that I had called myself a Christian and a pastor and a teacher, and I had never shared the sufferings of Christ as this Russian officer now shared them. Looking at him was for me like seeing Mary Magdalene weeping at the foot of the cross or at the empty tomb. Then I read to him the story of the resurrection. There he heard the wonderful news that the Savior arose from the tomb. And he slapped his knees and he shouted for joy, He's alive, he's alive, and he again danced around the room, overwhelmed with happiness. That's an amazing Amazing story, amazing true story, and that's somebody perceiving not just the words, but the reality behind the words, and that's what I want for me and you, and it would it would hit us, you know, just as real as if it happened today. It did happen. It happened 2,000 years ago, but it's just as real as if it happened today and as if we were walking out of this building and a car was speeding down the road and you didn't see it and I pushed you out of the way and I got hit and you turned around and there I was. There would be real blood. There would be a real body and you would really be spared. What would you do? You would sit down and you'd put your hands on your head. You might even move away from the body. It might be too much. But you wouldn't be the same. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to go home the same. You wouldn't be able to go home tonight and not think about it. Why? Because it would be real to you. And Jesus is more real than that. Jesus' death, this, what we just read, is more real than that. It, I'm a sinner. If that really happened, I'm a sinner. And I'm going to die one day anyways. But Jesus was righteous. He didn't have to die at all. If he didn't want to die, he didn't have to die. I'm a man. And if I died for you, that would be sad. But like I said, I'm a sinner. He was God in the flesh. The perfect man really died. The one man that shouldn't have died really died. For you. And then how do we apply it? Do you, what does it say? Do I believe it and how do I apply it? Well, there's a thousand different ways you could apply it, but I really notice reading verses how much the Bible grounds these arguments, these truths in the death of Jesus. So they say uh, this because Jesus died. That because Jesus died. And what it means is if we're going to 
understand those and, and believe those, it's only as good as the truth it's grounding it in. Does that make sense? If it says you're forgiven because Jesus died, and you don't re- it's not real to you that Jesus died for you, then you're not, it's not going to be real to you that you're forgiven. And so the ground of all this, it's like an argument's like a chain. This, therefore this, therefore this, therefore this. But if the chain is not attached to something solid, it's not going to hold you. And what's the end of the chain for so many of these arguments? It's Jesus really died. And that's what's holding the chain down. That's what's the weight at the end of the chain. It's the real thing that holds all the rest together. And so I just picked out 10. 10 verses that have Jesus' death as the ground, the the truth that brings something to us or, or the truth that compels us, motivates us, all rooted in the reality of Jesus death for us. So let's I'll just read a few of them here. We're not even going to we're just going to briefly not even really talk about them, but just touch on it. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1:7. This real blood this the re, real blood that really was shed for you that is what washes away your sin we have been justified by his blood romans 5:9 declared righteous we're right with god by this real blood who is to condemn christ jesus is the one who died Romans 8.34 Maybe today the application, you're feeling condemned and you need encouragement. The reality that Jesus died is an encouragement for you because there's this real condemnation and you know I'm not, God's not going punish, to punish me for my sins because Jesus already took such a horrible punishment. There's no way he's not going to revisit that again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32 Maybe for you today, how do you apply the reality of Jesus' death is, you know that God wants to provide for you. Because if God really did provide his son and he died on the cross for you, you know he's not going to withhold some other little thing because he already gave the big thing. He already gave the most costly thing. God can make a million worlds, but he only has one son, and he gave him for you. What confidence. Hebrews 10.19 says, We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus confidence in prayer we can go to God because we know I mean think about if there was a king and somebody came to the king and they said you're a rebel I'm not going to let you in here in fact why would you come to me I'm going to condemn you to death and he said I was out in war and your son died for me and he said 
scoop up this blood and bring it to my dad and tell him it's mine and he, he'll let you go. I mean, and he pours out his own son's blood, what would the king do? There's no way he would dishonor that. And that's what Jesus really did do. Jesus really did say, Here's this, I'm going to shed my blood for you. And God the Father is not, he's not going to condemn you. He's not going to turn you away. What else? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Maybe today the thing to bring home that God's going to bring home, I hope, is just this, I'm not my own. You know, I've been living. It's easy to start to get to live like this is my life and, and I, this is what I want and this is where I want to go and you remember, wait. I haven't been remembering that I was bought with a price. I was bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm not my own. This isn't my life. This is the God's life. He bought it. Forgive as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4.32 Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. I mean, the reality of all these horrible things, and yet, He's praying, forgive them. What... Uh, encouragement to forgive and it's like you can't hardly look at Jesus and what he did and 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 then look at some other situation it's like this does not compare it's it's God help me to forgive I can't believe it's been so hard help me thank you for what you did it just it makes forgiveness real maybe that's the way we need to apply it By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We know God loves us. If the cross is real to us, we know he loves us. There's no question he loves us. What more could he do? What more could he do than what he already did to show his love? And we ought to love others, lay down our lives for the brothers. What a motivator. It's like, just look at the cross and then think, wow, I do, I want to be more like that. I want to love others more. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23 What... What an application. You want to know what, it cost, what it's going to cost to be a Christian? Just look at the reality of the cross. It was costly. It was very costly. And God's saying, it's going to be costly to be a Christian. You're going to have to take up your cross every day and follow me. It's just weighty. It just reminded me. For me, this is probably the one that God made most real to me this week. Just the idea, I just get into this routine and days become routine and then and then you remember no this isn't routine this Jesus really died and he's calling me he's calling me to take up my cross and of course it's going to be hard look what he did for me and I want to be like him I want to follow him he's not asking me to go somewhere that he didn't go that's what follow means just come right behind me do what I did and 
it's it's a motivator. It's not only an objective reality. Yes, he forgave us our sins, and that is more than we could ever comprehend. We'll spend eternity thankful, learning more and more what that means. And yet it's more. It's a it's an example and a motivator to us to live the Christian life. And when it's hard, give it up. Whatever it is, give our life, lay down our life in whatever way God's asking us to. One more. Hebrews 12.3 Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. There's another translation that says, grow discouraged and give up. You want to, you see how hard the Christian life is? It's total surrender, everything, no matter how hard it is. And yet, what else is a cross considering Christ and what he did for us? The real death, real suffering, the real difficulty, the real love for us. What else does it give us? It gives us endurance. helps us so that we won't get discouraged and give up. It's something about looking at Jesus and all that he went through for us. It's like you are amazed as you consider him. You're just amazed. And the discouragement, it helps. Seeing what he did helps. And the faint-hearted, you're getting tired. And something about looking to what he did for you gives you an encouragement to press on, to, to move on, even, even if it is hard. Because of what He really did for us. Let's pray together. Lord, I do pray that just the reality of Your death would just impact us in at least one way. And I think about the kids, Lord, many of them I know uh, aren't Christians, that you're, you're not the most precious thing in their life. And sin, sin's still on their account. They haven't really looked to you and trusted you and what you did for them yet. Would you please have mercy, Lord, there for kids you made it so clear and understandable. You made it so memorable. Would you please do that here in our church? Pray for those that are Christians, Lord. Would you help the discouraged? Would you encourage them? Uh, pray, Lord, you'd help people that are struggling to believe that you love them. Would you just make it so real to them what you did? in a personal way. I pray if people are struggling to forgive, Lord, would you just push it onto our hearts, all that you've done for us and how much you forgave us and how much you loved us and how somehow you're able to pray, Father, forgive them in the midst of all the difficulty. Would you, would you motivate us, empower us? And we want to be like that. We need help. We can't do it. Any other way, Lord, that we may, wouldn't even think of, would you just help people today 
by your death and making it real. You're the only one that can do it. We could talk and talk and talk, but you can make it real by your spirit. Would you do that? And Lord, would you help us just to rejoice in you? It's so sad what you went through for us, and yet we're so thankful and we're so happy to know you and to be changed and not be where we used to be, not be living the way we used to. And we have a treasure. You're our treasure, Lord. Would you? We want to rejoice in that today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you did for us. Amen.